Good afternoon and welcome to the last Tuesday where we talk about things that might happen instead of some things that actually have happened, maybe. Um, Gabe DeArm and Gerard Hamilton here. We are getting close to the time where we're going to do this weekly. Not not quite yet, but uh, we'll have a show this week, have a show at some point next week, and then early August when Missouri starts football camp, we will go full time. But uh, Gerard headed to SEC Media Days next Sunday for... I, I don't know how else to put it except the most overhyped and overanalyzed three days in all of sports. I'm just looking forward to going to Nashville. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to going to Nashville. Obviously, I'm going to do some work, uh, see see what I can get into. But I'm just thinking about what food places <laughs> can I try in Nashville that I haven't tried before. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big – it's a big week, but it is – I don't understand – like, I do know why it's bigger than the, all the other media days, but at the same time, they're relatively the same. It's really just the teams and the location and all that, but – Well, but also, I mean, it just means more. Like, that's – Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember my – so this is going to be my third my third one in a row, and when I went as an intern, the amount of times I heard that tagline is like yeah. – it's a staple in my brain. If somebody said that for any context in the world that isn't football, I'd immediately still think they're talking about the SEC. Like that's how much they use this this phrase. Well, here here's the only phrases you're going to hear more over your time there: we and us, and how the guys looking. The, the coach, coach, we just want to know, man, how we looking this year? How how many games we going to win? How the boys doing? No, <laughs> because it, it's it's be it, it's honestly it's like a uh it's a light version of super bowl media day where like it's become this caricature of itself where they will like i promise you if you were watching this show and if you're watching feel free comments questions whatever you got we don't really have a plan what we're going to talk about so anything you guys want to talk about but if you were watching this show if you apply for a credential from the sec office for media days you will probably get in just be like, yo, my third grader has a class project due and he wants to write about SEC media days. That kid is going to get a credential. He's going to be able to ask Nick Saban a question if he wants, because they let absolutely anybody in so that when the week's over, they can go, well, we had 977,000 media members here. Look how popular we are, man. Oh, brother. Yeah. I mean, the only something i guess something i authentically like besides you know whatever foods in the area is i like hearing the storylines from other teams i mean i'm just going to be there uh you know for monday so what's that lsu and who else a and m so like it'll be interesting to hear what other teams got going on because believe it or not we cannot follow every team and what their the details of everything going on in their program so that's interesting yeah, um, I, I mean, as far as Missouri goes, they announced yesterday, you know, it's Chris Abrams drain, Javon Foster, Darius Robinson, three guys who are good players who Eli Drinkwitz completely trusts with the microphone in front of their face, not to say anything stupid. I, I mean, that's that's really the qualifications for going to SEC media days. Be, be a player somebody has heard of and be usually as boring as you can possibly be so that we do not provide anybody on our schedule any uh, bulletin board material. Yeah, it's – the group is – at least two of them, D-Rob and, and Foster, 
Like I seen them. KD is an interesting one, and he's interesting because he may not say much. But I remember when we asked about his draft grade, like he just came right out with it. And I, so I wonder, like, what do we have to do to get get something out well, of him? Well, and here's what I found because because I talked to Chris for the podcast we were doing uh, for a while with the NIL Collective, and one on one he was actually pretty good. You know, it's just when you put these twenty year old kids up at a behind a microphone behind a table with like 30 people staring at them, they are far less engaging and far less, they, they say far less. I mean, Darius Robinson has a, a really good personality. He'll be probably Missouri's kind of stand out there. Other than like with Missouri, the players don't have to have the personality because the coach is the one that's going to say something that makes the headlines. I mean, mm-hmm. like I think he will go in trying to be kind of toned down and boring but there's going to be at least one or two times he just can't help himself and he fires off a one-liner at somebody. Yeah, I'm, I expect it. What, it. what that will be, you know, I, I don't know. But I I hope it's something interesting. Maybe maybe a jab at one of their opponents this year so everybody can everybody's hair can get on fire. Yeah, he I, he usually likes to make an Arkansas comment or something about the the South Carolina series, something like that, you know. But um, overall, <clears throat> hey, he's good for headlines. I mean, the thing about media days is nothing that anybody wants answers to can possibly be answered next week, right? I mean, so what are you going down there, kind of thinking, hey, these are the the things that are at least worth asking these guys about and get some insight. Well, I guess for the players they have, I guess for let's start with D Rob, just kind of more on the if he's if he's starting at defensive end thing or if he's going to stay at defensive tackle. I know he's going to play both regardless of where he starts, but uh, just trying to gauge exactly how how serious is that him starting at defensive end talks with uh, Chris Abrams drain. I think a question and I, if Ennis was here, I'd ask it to him, too, is. Will the cornerbacks have an elevated uh, elevated responsibility? Because I feel like defensive ends and cornerbacks, they kind of go together. You know, you get that pass rush going, you know, corners don't have to cover as long. If you don't have that pass rush uh, going, corners obviously have to do a little bit more work. So, you know, has there been talks, you know, where you're going to need such and such to step up more on the back line? And then with Javon Foster, it's while the offensive line as a unit is a team, it still feels like as long as you handle your part, that's, that's it, because you can't work. You there's no way you can help what's going on anywhere else. It's just really you. So with Javon, it's just kind of he's got to be able to stack his 2021 season. I think where he was like top three in run blocking last year. I think he was top three in pass blocking. If he can mold that into one, so probably just a little bit more on what the offensive line needs to do and how he can kind of put it all together for himself. So the Robinson and defensive end thing is interesting to me because we're both Kansas City Chiefs fans. And look, I, I am in no way saying that Darius Robinson is Chris Jones. Um, you know, I, I don't think Darius is like one of the three best defensive tackles in all of college football or anything, but he's a good defensive tackle. So a couple of years ago, this kind of happened where the Chiefs took Chris Jones and said, hey, we don't really have anybody on the outside. So we're going to move him outside and play him outside a lot. Well, it didn't really work. Like he was okay at defensive end, but being okay at defensive end was so much less valuable than being great at defensive tackle. So, I mean, what's your, do you look at this Robinson thing more as, hey, we have enough defensive tackles so we can move Robinson out? Or is it, we don't really know if we have any defensive end, so we're going to have to move Robinson out. 
both. I mean, <laughs> the luxury of having your top five defensive tackles, I don't know how often that happens at any position, especially with the transfer portal, but having your top five, they're a little bit more comfortable if they put someone else in D-Rob's place and having to move outside. And then also um, Walker, Johnny Walker there, they like him. He'll probably be, at, at least for now, he'll probably be one. They kind of like, I'd say their group feels like a good bench depth, but it doesn't seem like there's a starter that they, if this was, mm-hmm. if we were talking about these guys and saying, oh, this is the bench and then we got such and such, they feel a lot better about it. So this is where D-Rob comes in on the outside where it's like, uh, it's a win for everybody. We could use you here at defensive end and see what you got, and maybe you can help us there. And also, D-Rob for himself, uh, he's told me to the side, you know, I just want to show NFL teams that I can do that if need be. So it seems like a win-win for everybody, but I wonder how long the experiment will go. Well, and, and I look at defensive end, and, hey, they got they got six guys at least that can play. But like you said, I you don't really know. I mean, out of those six, two are going to start. But do they have Isaiah McGuire on this team? Do they even have DJ Coleman on this team? I'm not sure we know that yet. Yeah, and they're going to need Darius Robinson. Even if it's that defensive tackle, he's going to have to be as important to this defensive line as Isaiah McGuire was last year. Like, he's going to have to make things shake no matter where he lines up. And so the the thing with Robinson to me is wherever he lines up, I want to see where he's at on the first third down against Kansas state on September 16th. Cause that's where they think he's more valuable. Right. I mean, like he can play, I don't care. He'd stand up and play linebacker for the first two weeks. If he wants, that's not, that's not really going to tell me a lot, but when, when you come down to, okay, we got to have a play where are you putting him and who's that defensive end. And I, again, like, like I said, none of these questions are getting answers till September 16th, which kind of leads me to the other thing that, I've kind of started thinking about a lot more over the last month. So Missouri starts with two games that look, if they lose either of the first two games, then this season's not going to be very good. I mean, it just, you're not going to lose to either South Dakota or uh, middle Tennessee and go win eight games. It's not going to happen. So what do you think the chances are that we don't really know who Missouri's starting quarterback is until September 16th against Kansas state? Uh... 40 percent yeah i i mean i i'm starting to think that's the right i I think the first two weeks are like a tryout Mm -hmm. yeah i wouldn't be surprised if they whether they give one person one game and the other person the other game or if they do it by half so somebody gets the first half of you know game one somebody gets second half or whatever and that's assuming that they've got it down to two where they just kind of like this guy is going to be right you know the backup so it's I don't know. It doesn't sound like a good idea, though. I, I think you have to have it down to two, though, because like if you remember last year, like people kept asking about Tyler Macon and drink kept saying, because I don't have time during the week to get three guys first team reps like it it, it can't. You've got to identify two guys. So I think he's going to have two. I'll be a little bit surprised if it's not Brady Cook and Sam Horn. But yeah. And then again, I don't know. You brought Jake Garcia in for some reason, right? So, and I don't think he came here thinking, "Hey, I'm I'm good being the third stringer." But um, I I just think I think what we're going to get throughout the entire month of August is Eli Drinkwitz like coming up and starting out his press conferences by saying, "We don't know who the starting quarterback is, and even if I did, I wouldn't tell you." And 
Like, I don't think he's going to tell us the week of the first game. And then I think he's going to play somebody. And I think we see two quarterbacks in that first week at a bare minimum. I think, I don't know. Like I said, that's the reason I say I have it at 40% is I still feel like he may stretch it out, of course, a lot longer than last year, like eight, nine days. I think maybe he stretches it out to week, week and a half before week one, maybe, or something like that. Um, and then he announces because I feel like maybe that's some internal thing where everybody gets to know who the leader is, who the guy is, and they start trying to build their chemistry with said person or you know commit to that one person all the way. But it could very well go the way you just said. So a week before the first game would be August 24th. I would be willing to bet that by August 24th, Eli Drinkwitz has not told us this is my starting quarterback. Now, he may have told his team, but he ain't going to tell us. I just I I think he is going to go into because all coaches like to play games like this, but he, he has shown yeah. a penchant for playing these games. Like somewhere in their heads, he he believes if Chris Kleiman does not know which quarterback is taking the first series, that gives his team a competitive advantage. Now, I think whether it does or not is is completely debatable. But these coaches think it does. Like, I, I think we're going to go into that game against Kansas State in week three, not 100% sure who's taking the first snap, unless somebody's gotten hurt. Yeah. I, yeah, it can it can go either way. It really can. Yeah. It'll uh, – and, and there's so much focus on quarterback, and I get it. And I honestly – like, I don't think we're making too much of this. I really do think it it is just – so far and away, the number one question on this team, like there are other questions, but if he doesn't get quarterback right this year, none of those other questions matter. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's exactly what it's going to be. If, if the quarterback is it's not where it needs to be, then what I keep thinking about when I think about the offense is just like quarterback offensive line play that matters so much but with that wide receiver group there's a lot of potential there for this to be like a really good group but you can't see it if something falls through the cracks with either of those positions you know so that line is just as bad as last year to be honest it doesn't really matter how how great the wide receiver room because they can only you know do so much if they have to you know wait for the line and quarterback and all that same thing with the qbs I think wide receiver is the most interesting position on this team, maybe because I think a lot of people are just assuming, hey, it's going to be great because four years ago, this guy was a five-star and this guy was a four-star and this guy was a five-star. That's all well and good, but they don't have a single guy on this team who's had 600 yards receiving in a season. Like, at some point, and look, Luther Burton's only been in college one year, right? Mookie Cooper's never really been healthy. So these guys still could live up to those rankings. I'm just saying that at some point, like what they were ranked three and four years ago don't really matter. Yeah, but the the feeling that I got, um, you know, when talking to some people during the, the camps and stuff like that is I think they're most happy about the pieces they have for the the parts they need for the position to play. Last year, it seemed like they were trying to, to put put a square peg in a round hole. They had so many slot, slot guys playing, and they had them playing out of position at times. Like Luther playing on the outside, everybody knew from week one, that is not where he's supposed to be, but he's the most talented. So, And here we're going to play him. He's a five-star guy, so let's put him out there. Now they feel like 
they got a person who can play outside. We got a person who can play the slot. We got a person who can play both. So they feel like they have those pieces. So, yeah, they need to produce, obviously, but I feel like they're just happy that they got the right, you know, puzzle pieces. I also think it's, at the college level, an incredibly um, replaceable position, meaning, like, somebody's going to catch passes. If if you block well, you give a you give them five seconds. Most college DBs can't cover anybody for five seconds, you know? So if you're a representative uh, Division One wide receiver, like, I, I, I'm not sure the, the personnel matters quite as much there as it does, say, at offensive, defensive line, and quarterback, and, and, and probably even DB. Right. Um, so, again, want to invite you guys uh, to, uh, to ask any, any questions you've got. And Turner wants to know if they'll finally beat Kentucky. Look, I don't, they did uh, in the, the COVID year they beat Kentucky, actually. Uh, kind of dominated them. But, um, you know, I was texting with a friend of mine that covers South Carolina this morning. He was kind of asking how I thought Missouri was going to be. And, you know, I said, I think they'll be maybe a little better than people are predicting, but I don't think they're going to be like win the division or anything. And he said, well, I know they'll beat South Carolina because that's what they do. And I said, and they'll lose to Kentucky because that's what they do. That's just like, those are two annual traditions in Mizzou football. But like this season, again, I did kind of a game by game thing on, on Monday morning. And I mean, if you take Kansas state, Florida, Arkansas, Kentucky, South Carolina, that's the season right there. Those five games are the difference between Honestly, like four and eight and nine and three. Yeah, um, and I was telling you beforehand, so I guess can I give them a little preview of, of what I'll drop tomorrow or should I just save it? Yeah, no, they, yeah. go ahead. So going forward, I'll start something no, called no, – uh, nobody, nobody that's on here is reading all that anyway, so yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to start something called Four Down Territory. So it's ten thoughts, but it's four. Obviously, I mean, just, <laughs> I mean, it's ten thoughts, but, but it's four, and it's obviously – about Mizzou football, college football, and then the last thing, a little bit of wild card, whatever I want to talk about. And so I did kind of a schedule breakdown, and same thing for you. When, but I, I was, um, it's kind of breaking down each game just a little bit, maybe a graph or so. And when going back to Kentucky, it's not the same swing game because last year the offensive line for Kentucky was kind of in shambles. Like they were, right. it was a rough year for them. They've got some reinforcements coming back. They've got Devin Leary, who a couple years ago was like one of the best QBs in the nation. And then they got a, a thousand yard rusher from Bandy and Ray Davis coming in to replace Chris Rodriguez. So those spots that where you would think, oh man, they're hurt. They're not that bad. And so they're going to actually be a tougher team. Something I do think Missouri can pull off, but I still have this as a loss for right now was the K-State game because they lost a lot of talent on defense they lost a lot of – they lost their QB one, running back one, and their wide receiver one. So there's a lot of things, you know, going on there. But until I know who the quarterback is going to be, I'm going to just count that as a loss for now. I need to see who the quarterback is, how they play those first two games. But like you said, those were five or six games, those swing games. Five games, yeah. Five games, yeah. That's 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 the season right there. And they at least need to go three and two, four and Yeah, because I, I think you go into the season and go in – realistically, all right, South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, Memphis, and Vandy, those are wins. I mean, there are worlds where you can lose one of those games, but most cases, those are wins. Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, realistically, those are probably losses. I mean, could Missouri win one? Of course they could. That's why they played. But 
So you're starting out with the baseline of four and three, and then you've got those five games. If you somehow win every swing game, you know, nine and three. If you somehow lose everyone, four and eight. I mean, that's why that's the ceiling and the floor to me of this team. Yeah, that's that's, that's about right. Um, so three and two would put you seven and five, seven and which five. is what I think. I think yeah. that's at least I, – I think that's the line where people go, okay, like, look, obviously you want better. But at seven and five, I don't think there's going to be very – it's tangible progress from last year. It's it's finally over 500 in the regular season. It means you would have won probably three of those games we're talking about, like maybe with a, a first-year starting quarterback. I mean, there's some things to feel good about at seven and five. Less than that means you went sub 500 in those five games we're talking about, and that's when I think people get real restless come the, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, so every time I look at the schedule, it's like I have a new prediction. Like when I when I first <laughs> seen the schedule, I was thinking it could be eight and four, and then teams started making their moves in the transfer portal, all that good stuff. And then I was thinking, ah, six and six. I'm at seven and five right now. And like I said with the K-State thing, they could go eight and four if they win that game. However, <laughs> they could very easily go six and six, and let's say right. You know, because I'm giving a I'm giving them the game at Arkansas. Like that's kind of my thing. That was my my last game to give them a win. So and they could very well lose that. That's going to be on the road. Not that that's mattered the past six or seven years. They're six and one, but it's still a road game. So after you know Thanksgiving, all types of stuff could be going on. Well, and I think like anytime I do a, any sort of prediction thing this early, it's always I, I was like. I don't know what Missouri or Kentucky is going to look like in mid-October, right? So picking that game individually, I don't know. But the way the schedule breaks down is pretty interesting because I look at it and I go, okay, after, you know, LSU comes here in week six and like we're expecting Missouri to be four and two, probably maybe five and one after that game, whatever they are. But then the next two games are at Kentucky and South Carolina here. And I almost, anytime I'm doing a prediction, I just look at those two and go, I think they're going to split them. Like, if they go win at Kentucky, I can see them kind of maybe having a letdown. But if they go lose at Kentucky and then they come here having to beat South Carolina, mm -hmm. I think that happens. So I almost look at those two games as a set, right? And then then the next set is um, at Georgia and home against Tennessee. And you just go, I don't know if you can find a way to even if, – if you could somehow find a way to win one of those, you're going to have probably have a good season. And then – the last two weeks of the season are so interesting because it's it's uh, – were they at Florida last year? Yeah, it was at Florida okay. last year. So it's Florida here and then at Arkansas the last two games of the season. And, like, the reason it's so stupid to predict those is, well, what if Missouri's 7-3 and three at that point? And, you know, they beat in Tennessee. Well, then they're really playing for something. And But what if they come into that stretch at – four and six or five and five and you're going well best they can do is you know the music city bowl and who knows what the hell i mean there's just so much to happen between now and then that, that picking a game in november is like i don't i know why we do it because we have to do it and people demand it but it, like it's pointless i have no idea what's gonna happen then yeah take 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 the predictions with a grain of salt, guys. But um, at least for my Florida, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but for the Florida game, I guess a reason I can give him that before you know we get too deep into the season is 
It's going to be a home game for Missouri. It's obviously probably going to be a lot chillier than it is in Florida. Um, Florida, that game will be in between a game versus LSU and Florida State for Florida. So two big games for, for, for the Gators there. That could be kind of like a trap game type of situation for them. Um, it's just, like I said, late in the season. That's going to be a blackout game for Missouri. So there's a lot of not that important, but some things that can go in their favor. Going to be a blackout game for a lot of Florida fans if Missouri wins it. But I mean, Florida Florida fans will look at it the way you're talking about, right? We got a big game against LSU and a big game against Florida State around this nothing game against Missouri. Truthfully, where Florida's program is at, they should look at it the exact opposite. All right, LSU is going to kick our ass. Florida State's probably going to kick our ass. That Missouri game's a big game. We best go get a win in Columbia. You know, I mean, that's how they should look at it. But but look, I I know they won't. Uh, it, we'll take a few questions here, uh, kind of on the back half. Kyle wants to know any idea how Kirby Moore's offense will differ from drinks. I mean, no. Did you? It, I I mean, Gerard, I I wasn't at spring football at all because I was covering basketball. Did you see any? Like, was there anything you were able to see in spring football that would give you any sort of an indication as to how to answer that question? Not really, and there's a few reasons why. So. <laughs> The first reason why is during spring ball, like a big thing that seemed to center around the offense was snapping the center. Like they were, there were bad snaps in scrimmage, like a, a good amount where it was too high, too low. Um, it was a lot of swing passes. And overall, the defense on the screen, the spring game scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, the defense was dominating. Like it was, it wasn't really that close because the spring, the defense that has eight returning starters, if you want to add Dalen Carnell, who almost played half the snaps, nine guys out there who know exactly what they're doing. And they and they got Tristan Newsom uh, and Travez Johnson also out there. Like, it wasn't really something where you can see the offense on display. Uh, and and the other thing to remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Brady Cook's not participating in spring drills. By that point, Sam Horn, I think, was hurt. He wasn't throwing, so yeah. So like, we was, didn't even was, see. We haven't seen Missouri's offense. So it was Jake Garcia who had at that point been there two month and a half, two, two months and a half, something like that. So he's been there a couple months, and then you got Dylan Libel who had a good spring camp, but I don't want that to be maybe misconstrued. At least at this moment, as like he's vying for you know the starting spot or something like that. But he had a really good, probably had the best spring camp of the available quarterbacks at that point, and. Still couldn't really see much because of how well the defense was playing. Yeah, and so so the ultimate answer is we don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure, but also, like, I don't think Kirby Moore is coming in here and just changing everything, right? I think he probably has a lot of similar ideas to Eli Drinkwitz, and Eli Drinkwitz is still going to be involved in this offense. Now, Kirby Moore is going to be the play caller, but it's not as if Eli Drinkwitz has just said, it's yours, man. Go to town. I'm out. I, I mean, that's not going to happen. All right. Yeah. He re- he runs a similar spread like offense that, that, uh, that drink was running. So it's not, here's a new person with a whole new scheme running. Yeah. Like, no, that's, that's not what's going on. It's a guy who kind of runs similar things. They want to get their receivers out in space, um, and, you know, spread the ball around and get the ball out quicker and, things of that nature, but it's it's not too different. But we're not really going to be able to tell until, until the season starts because of right. how spring ball went. And obviously offseason, all that, they're not going to show us too much in the 
45 minutes of practice we get to look at. So. And also, like, I'm not going to put any stock in anything they say because, like, the whole thing last year was, yeah, we got to take more chances. We got to throw the ball around, cut it loose, throw the ball downfield. And then it was just Cody Schrader up the middle, Brady Cook run, swing pass to Luther. Like, and I understand why that's what it was. That's what they could do. Like, I, I'm not mm-hmm. blaming Eli Drinkwood, but I'm just saying I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in the in the offseason talk because I have to see it happen on the field. Yeah, it, exactly. I don't know how many times I told you about what was that that pistol single back version, that halfback dive. You knew what was coming. You knew what was coming and you knew how many yards it was going to get. Not enough. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So speaking of which, uh, Javon wants to know who will be the, the better, the starting running back. Okay, I'm sorry. You guys hear the people outside cutting grass. I heard something. Yeah. <laughs> cutting grass outside my apartment. Um, so who will be the better running back? I guess there's a few ways I can answer this. Who will be starting? Cody Schrader. Who? Yes. Who has the Who's the leading rusher on this team from the running back position? Cody Schrader. He's still going to be the leading rusher. Um, who has the most upside, I guess? From, like, not now, but he's going to get there with the high ceiling? Probably Roberts, uh, the yeah. three-star signee. Um, who is going to be number two still, though? I'd say Pete. And as long as he doesn't have the same situations last year with the fumbling or just a lot of the, you know, the negative yardage type things. If he just stays steady, he'll hold on to that. But, you know, it could be a, a late surge from Roberts. And then Tavoris Jones isn't out the picture. Um, they're just really impressed by what Roberts has done and then having those two veterans at the top of the depth chart. So, I, look, Eli trusts Cody Schrader, I think, more than any player on his team. He's going to be the starter. He's I, I would be shocked if he does not have the most carries. Um I will be displeased if we do not see meaningful carries for Tavoris Jones and Jamal Roberts this year. Because after this season, those are the only two scholarship running backs on the roster. Cody Schrader cannot come back. Nate Pete cannot come back. One of those two guys needs to be in line to be the starter. And look, I... I will say, if Tavoris Jones does not get meaningful carries this year, then, like, if you can't get on the field at running back, then you are misevaluated as a four-star in two years. I mean, I'm not saying he has to lead the team in rushing, but, like, he has to have meaningful snaps on this team. If he does not get meaningful snaps on this team, I don't think it's ever going to happen because it's not like Missouri has a standout star running back. It's the easy, I mean, coaches will tell you, it is the easiest position to step in day one and play. So if Tavoris Jones is as good as we said he was, as good as they say he is, then he has to see the field this year. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's going to be a little different than last year, how they uh, they were sprinkling in, uh, why, why is it, the guy who went to West for the, uh, Eli, I can't, why, am I, why is this living my, my mind right now? Number four, I can't. Uh, Elijah Young. Yeah, there we go. Uh, how they kind of gave him spot carries. Every, I feel like it's going to be an uptick from that because, like you said, two guys who are not going to be there next year. And, yeah, I'd expect, like, Tavoris Young, he needs to get carries or it may be a quarterback situation where, I mean, why is he going to stick around if they think right. they can bring in a transfer or they have this three-star guy that they already like who, you know, possibly could really step in and start. 
You know, uh, Kyle wants to know who's your breakout player this year, like Dominic Lovett was last year. And either side of the ball, pick one. Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Breakout. I mean, like, there's a, to me, there's a simple answer here it's Luther Burden. Like, because. No, he doesn't. I, I, I understand why that's too easy of an answer, but like, I don't look at last year and think he broke out, really. I mean, I know he had nine touchdowns, but, like, there's a lot more there. If you're looking for a guy that's a lot better this year than he was last year, it's Burden, but he was a starter last year, so maybe that's cheating. It's hard for me to say it because I just – you just know that they're going to have a lot more going to him. They're going to find a lot more ways to get the ball in his hands. He's going to be in a position on the field where he's actually comfortable in the slot. Um it's, yeah, it feels like cheating picking him. Um, here's what I'll I, – I can't really answer that yet, but here's what I will say. If you was to ask Missouri who they would want to be their breakout player, Sam Horn. Yeah. <laughs> like if I, they I can pick been. a person who they want to break out, it's a quarterback and particularly the four-star super athletic one. But um, it's, it's hard to pick who, who I think. L- last one, let me give you one that I think Missouri needs it to be. Cameron Johnson. Like they need to figure out center. They need to solidify a rotation on that offensive line. I don't really care if it's Xavier Delgado or EJ and Doma Ogar at guard, whatever. If Marcellus Johnson is the right tackle or Armand Mimbo is like if they are taking Johnson, who is a good tackle and playing him in a new position, at least last we knew that's the plan. Now maybe Eli will tell you something different. Wait, wait, you're talking about Cameron? Cameron Johnson. Yeah. Guard, guard. He was playing. He guard. was a guard, right? Yep. And now, right. now he's going to center. My, my bad. Mm-hmm. But um, like if you can get that position figured out, then the other pieces you kind of can move around and and just get your five best guys on the field. If they discover this summer, like, yo, Cameron Johnson is struggling with this whole moving to center thing. Oof. I bet yeah. that like you want something that nobody's talking about that can derail the season. There's your thing. Yes. So Connor Tolson, obviously he started, he would, if you really needed a center that bad. I assume he'd be the guy. Yeah, They put him back in there, but he's, he still has to put on the weight. That will always be the biggest thing for him until he can put on that weight. I feel like that's the first part that they like, they feel like they've got to, you know, kind of fix. So they feel like he's their their backup center for now. But if Cameron has to move to guard, because he still will probably be one of your best five, you know, uh, you know, offensive linemen. If you got to move him to left guard, think about trying, you know, early in the season saying EJ or Xavier or somebody, you've got to learn how to play center. That is not that's not what you want to do. Maybe they could do like I used to do in the street with my buddies growing up. Like there's just an all-time center, right? Just one guy snaps the ball. (laughs) So like whoever plays center for the other team, they're like, yo, can we just put a jersey on that? That guy can snap for us. All time. Yeah. Oh, man, it's been a minute (laughs) since since I heard that. But when I was um, doing the series on the the offensive, uh, the interior offensive line, I said, it's this is not Madden. This isn't just put the best players, the best overall, no matter what their position is, and kind of just slot them where you want it to be. In real life, it actually matters that, you know, you play right tackle, you play left tackle, you play center, you play guard. Like, that's a thing. And so they they better hope it's right and hope that, you know, Cameron can easily adjust to that. Yeah. Um, got a question about DJ Weselak and whether he's – last. I, I'm pretty sure he's a linebacker. 
Um, that's where he warmed up during the season last year. I don't know if that was different during spring football. I think he's a linebacker. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I have not heard a thing about DJ. I, I just right, don't remember hearing he, he's always a different position, which if you guys have read anything, I'll sometimes forget. It's, it, or it's like Jamari and Wayne. We got to we gotta go back and look and figure out which side of the ball he's playing every week. Yeah, but if we look through our messages, there's probably like four or five messages like, <laughs> is Wesselak or Wayne this or right. that? Because I feel on their website it says this, but in the press conference it's this. It, yeah, I don't know. But has there been any buzz? Not really. To be honest, I mean, I think he's a linebacker. He's like 6'3", 240-ish, so he should be with the linebackers based off his, you know, physical, you know, features or whatever. Uh, but I, I haven't heard much, and that linebacker group is – if they're pretty if he is a part of it, it's a, it's a pretty deepish group, so it'd be hard for him to get on the field. As of now, obviously, fall camp can change things. Well, and the other thing, has there been any buzz? I mean – like we were talking about this before we started the show, guys. We haven't talked to Eli Drinkwood since the first week in March, maybe earlier than that. We've talked to Kirby Moore, what twice ever. We haven't talked to Blake Baker since early in spring football. Like, I, I don't know what buzz there can really. There's not really that much buzz about anybody. I mean, unless you just happen to be and I just peek behind the curtain, like. We aren't bugging people in like mid June and saying, "Hey, who looks good in spring workout?" Like, there's going to be times where we got to kind of annoy these guys and ask questions. Mid June ain't the time to 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 fire bullets. You're going to need later by by annoying people. So, I, you know, and also, I don't I don't really care who looks good in mid June. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, I care far more who looks good in mid August uh, when we can actually see some things. So my point is just because there hasn't been any buzz about him doesn't mean that he won't have a good year. It just means there haven't been a whole lot of buzz about anybody. I mean, it feels like, it feels like 18 months since we like had something to tangible to talk about with Missouri football. All right. Uh, like I said earlier, I think this is before we started. I've written so many things. I've written I've written series and forgot what series I've written. Like I'm going through using that for other things. And I'm like, oh, I wrote about this. I wrote about this. So there, there's been a lot. But at SEC Media Days, I'll see I'll ask around about some some of the guys that, you know, people may have forgotten about or we don't really know about. Like I, somebody asked me about Kai Montgomery. Haven't heard a lick about him. Tire well, and because the other thing is how many it's pretty tough for there to be a breakout player on this defense. They brought back like eight starters. I mean, unless in, in at the star position, I mean, Dalen Carnell, I thought was better than Martez last year. They really liked Travez Johnson there too. But other than defensive end, I don't really know what changes on this defense. It's all the same dudes. Yeah. There's, there's not really much that, that changes. I mean, besides, like you said, defensive end. So that's that's yeah. what that is. There's no breakout over there. So uh, yeah, Gerard will be down in uh, in Nashville on Sunday and Monday. Um, hopefully, Prince's Chicken is open for you on Sunday. I don't know if that's a spot you've hit up before or not, but but that's it. that's a good one. Um, but uh, he'll be down there full coverage Sunday and Monday. We will get back together sometime late next week and and do a show kind of wrapping up uh, what happens down there and. Um, I don't know. We we don't have a camp schedule yet. Hopefully, you'll get one next week. But I'm going to assume late July, early August, we'll be uh, we'll be back at this weekly. 
Yeah, you, you, you ready, Gabe? The the off season? Are you, you okay? You ready? You good? What's, ready, what's, this is year twenty one. Yep. Where, where are we at? This will, be, this will be. Well, I started twenty years ago on July thirty first, so I guess this would be technically the twenty first season. I don't know. My counting's hard. I got to figure. Two thousand three so, season was my first one. So okay, so this is my, I guess, third year being a professional journalist. When how many years do I need in the game to be called a vet? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, year two on this beat, you're getting there already. <laughs> but, you know, um, there, there's a little bit of turnover here. So uh, anyway, but uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. If you if you did join us live, uh, appreciate your questions, all that. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel before you leave. You want to subscribe to the channel because that'll give you an alert when we go live. And again, we are going to start doing these things pretty regularly. The post game show will be back for most games this year. Have a couple things that, that's going to change up the schedule here and there, but uh, do a, do a weekly show. We'll do post game shows, all that. We'll bring uh, Sean Williams and Drew King in at various times throughout the year to give uh, give Gerard a little bit of a break. But so do all those things if you're listening on the podcast, which I will put together right after this. Say nice things on social media, compliment um, the way we sound, the way we look, just our general uh, personalities, whatever you guys want to do. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.